While Pilate was sitting on that judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Amen. I want to talk today about Pontius Pilate and Roman justice. As an imperial power, Rome wanted to keep its provinces orderly. Orderly, a word that should send shivers down our spines as we watch authoritarians all over the world spouting false promises of law and order and safety from the other. Roman law and order was brutal and fast. Provincial governors desired order so that they could extract as much value as possible from their province, both for Rome and for their own pockets. Crucifixion, an excruciating way to die, was deliberately chosen because of its cruelty to deter rebellion among the exploited. In our Gospels, the Judeans, but the Judeans were far from being the only exploited peoples. The Roman Empire was vast and subjugated many peoples, all of whom contended with this same system. Surviving under Roman rule took courage, skill, and cunning, knowing when to push back and when to just keep your head down was something every colonized person had to learn. That's important for us to keep in mind when we hear the passion narratives, every one of which was written by people living under those same imperial systems, seeking to survive however they could. It's even more important to realize that the Gospels were written after the Roman destruction of the temple in 70 CE. Savage retaliation for the Jewish people's attempts to free themselves. When the Romans sacked the temple and Jerusalem, they crucified hundreds of people to discourage further rebellion. So many that the Roman soldiers ran out of trees to make the crosses. Different Roman governors were just like any individual humans, individuals. Some were lenient, some not so much. I recently read that Pontius Pilate was one of the most brutal of them all, so aggressive that his contemporaries eventually recalled him to Rome because what he was doing in Judea was even too much for them. 
Perhaps that's why we hear his wife trying to rein him in, even just a little bit. So we have to think about that when we hear these stories, because the whitewashing of Pilate in all four of the Gospels makes more sense when we put it in this context. And it's crucial for us to understand why our gospel writers would have wanted to make Pilate seem cluelessly benevolent at best or feckless at worst. In that post-temple time, the writers were living in a place that was still controlled by the Roman Empire. So they would have told the story of Jesus in ways that would help keep them safe. They were trying to differentiate themselves from the specific cohort of Judeans who had just rebelled. So they slanted their accounts in ways that shifted the blame more to their fellow Jews. And then those accounts took on a life of their own in horrific ways. Last year, during Holy Week, I was on my way here to the church, and I passed two young men walking by. One of them, quite nonchalantly, said to the other, well, you do know that the Jews killed Jesus. There it was. There it was, just like that. The slander that has been the source of the death of countless Jewish people, stated casually by a random young person in 2022. Never mind that the Vatican has put out multiple statements that condemn this slander. Never mind that so many of us preach in ways to counteract this lie year after year after year. It's still alive and well and causing damage to Jewish individuals and Jewish communities. It's not a coincidence that hate crimes against Jewish people have increased exponentially since the start of the pandemic. Too often, the Jews are among the first to be blamed when bad events in the world are happening. From conspiracy theories about George Soros to claims of secret cabals that control the world, these lies stem from the same misunderstood anti-Semitic root. So beloveds, as we move into Holy Week, please Keep in mind that we can choose to rend our hearts and examine where this lie remains alive within ourselves, because we all carry it within us as Christians in some shape. We can also remember that the death of Jesus was not the responsibility of any one group of people. It was the responsibility of all people. How so? Because all of us 
assent to the unspoken agreements that we each make, every one of us, the agreements to keep our heads down and survive in a world that is too often brutal and organized by systems that are deemed too big to fail. Systems that existed then and systems that exist now. Systems that encourage us to find a common enemy, a scapegoat, to be responsible for our own anxieties and fears. Systems that feed an enduring cycle of projection and violence. Systems that take advantage of the greatest power in the world, the power of an angry crowd. The brilliance of our liturgy today, the Palm Sunday service, is that it literally places us squarely into those shoes of complicity. It reminds us that we are the very crowd that waved branches in joy and proclaimed Jesus the Messiah. And we are also the lynching mob that later shouted, crucify him. We are they. So as we embark on this journey of Holy Week, may we remember our own complicity. May we also remember that it's something that we all share. And may we remember the faithfulness of a God who chose to enter into our lives and break forever the cycle of violence in order to show us we, too, can choose to step out of it. This week, let us bend the knee of our hearts and make our appeal, sure of God's gracious goodness and loving mercy. Amen.